great to be together and uh, to be able to sing together in worship, to express with our own words in prayer and to use these wonderful songs to express our love in response to the love that God has for us. And um, this morning, I'm really, really excited to bring God's word to you. I started preparing this sermon on Tuesday, then I did a little bit of work on it on Wednesday, then I did a bit more on Thursday, then yesterday afternoon, it still hadn't quite settled, so I did a little bit more on it yesterday afternoon, and then I got up at 6am this morning, and I did a little bit more on it, and then as I was getting ready to come out to church, inspiration struck. And so, this morning, forgive me if I'm not as smooth as I normally am, but I really believe that God has got something he wants to impart to us today about who we are in him. And so I really am going to need a couple of volunteers to help me this morning. So I will call you out by name. But please, when I call you out, smile and look like you're happy to help me. Okay? Um, Because the question I want us to think about today is, who are you? Who are you? How would you introduce yourself if you go to a party or you meet some new people? Hello, my name's Sarah. And what's the next sentence? How do we identify ourselves in our thinking, but also when we're around other people? You know, what are the, to use that terminology, what are the labels that we sometimes wear as human beings? Either the labels that other people put on us or the labels that we choose to identify with ourselves. So let me have a little look. Who are we going to use? Okay, Agnes, you can, she was smiling at me. She's so disappointed. All I want you to do is come and join me and I want you to hold up a piece of paper. That's it. Can we give a round of applause to Agnes? Thank you. Thank you. So Agnes, if you could just stand here and if you could hold that that way so everyone can see. What does that say? Parent, because you're a mum. Correct. Okay, so just hold on to that. She's looking really annoyed at me now, but that's fine. I did say, I did say, you know, like, be nice to me. Uh, David, would you like to come and join me? A little smatter of applause as people come out, please. <laughs> Thanks, David. That's the kind of response I want. If you could just hold that that way, because you are a husband, is that correct? To the very lovely Karen. Oh, lovely. Okay, now this next one might cause a bit of controversy. Um, But I'm going to choose it because she's a good friend of mine and hopefully she won't hate me. But Rosa, would you come and join me? (laughs) So she has to forgive me, not only because, um, you know, she loves Jesus, um, but because she's also a really good friend of mine. Okay, Steve, do you want to come and join me? Thanks very much. Feel free to keep applauding. This is true of you, is it not, sir? If you could hold it that way out. Um, You've got a little bit of um, education, is that correct? (laughs) That's fine. I'm not going to judge. Okay, what else have we got in here? Oh, okay. Uh, Let's have a little look. Who could this be about? Okay, Tanya, would you like to come and join me? Thanks. It's fine if you don't have shoes. Could you hold that one the other way? There we are. Okay. There are a few others in here. So, for example, I could hold up that one 
because that's one of the ways that I identify myself and that other people identify me. Or I could perhaps hold up that one because I am technically employed. Uh, we do work more than one day a week, just so you know. Um, sadly, I could not hold up that one, but maybe some of you could, but I, I didn't want to judge. Okay, so these are just a few of the labels that we can sometimes wear in life. And they may be ones that we think of ourselves, or they may be ones that other people speak about us, or they may be ones because of the circumstances of our life. So for example, you're a parent because you have children, you're a spouse because you're married. But what happens if as a parent, and this would never be true of Agnes, you have a really bad day as a mum. You shout at the kids, you scream at them, you, f- you burn their dinner, you forget to get their school uniform out. Like, what happens to your identity if the primary way that you think of yourself is as a parent, as a mum or a dad? What happens when you have a bad mum or a dad day? What happens to that sense of self-worth, that sense of value? Suddenly, it becomes a little bit less stable to primarily think of yourself in that way. Or maybe as a spouse, and this is not true of David, you forget the anniversary. You, you don't bring the flowers home. Uh, I know, it makes it easier, right? Um, um, you forget your 17th week anniversary of the first time you ever said, I love you. I don't know, you know, like you do some, no, I know David wouldn't. <laughs> But suddenly you think, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as good a spouse as I perhaps thought I was. I'm, I might be a little bit, I might have a bit of room for improvement on this. So if the main way that I think about myself is as a spouse, what happens if you have a bad day or if that changes? Okay. Thanks, Rosa. Um, so again, I know this is never true of Rosa, but you identify yourself as, you know, you're someone who's attractive. You're, you know, you're good looking. And, but you wake up one day and you have a bad hair day. That has, I've never seen Rosa with a bad hair day. Or you get a really disgusting pimple on your chin and suddenly you feel like some character out of some crazy play. Or, I don't know, you eat too many cakes and you look more like me than you do like Rosa. And you just say, oh, I don't feel as attractive as I have felt. Or maybe the people don't compliment you. Or perhaps as you get older, things change in the attraction department. So what happens... If that changes, but the main way that you think about yourself, the way that you get value is the fact that other people think of you as attractive or maybe that you think of yourself as attractive. Educated. So Steve, you're pretty educated, right? Yeah, you are. Don't be coy. So Steve, how many, you've got a couple of degrees and stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. So just so we can put it into context, because he's being falsely modest here. So you're educated. And, and when with that education comes a sense of, oh, well, I know some stuff in the world and, and it means something. But you find out that actually, when you get into the world of work, maybe the thing that you so passionately believed in perhaps isn't as powerful as you thought it was. That maybe the education that you'd relied on doesn't get you the job that you wanted. Or maybe the education that you relied on doesn't make you as nice as you thought you were. What happens if society's view of education changes and suddenly we're not bothered about degrees anymore. We actually think they're pretty worthless. But what we're really interested in is people who can, you know, mechanic in the car department or can, you know, change a pipe in plumbing. Suddenly the value shifts. So what does that mean if the main way that you think about yourself is as an educated person? 
all popular. We, everyone knows Tanya and she's incredibly popular because she's so kind. But what happens if suddenly one day Tanya wakes up and thinks, do you know what? I'm not going to be as kind as I normally am. And then everyone is like cold shoulder in Tanya. Perhaps she doesn't get all the invites out for all the meals that she gets. Perhaps she doesn't have to turn down all the offers to all the kids' parties because everybody loves Tanya at kids' parties. You know, perhaps she doesn't get all the things she wants. And suddenly her popularity takes a little bit of a nosedive. But if your identity and your self-worth is all around popularity, what happens when you're not as popular or you're not as popular as you think you are? Because these are the labels that either we wear ourselves or other people put on us. But the problem with basing our identity and building our lives on these and any other labels. We haven't even gone anywhere near gender, race, ethnicity, age, any of those things, you know, whether you're Welsh and from God's own country or, you know, England, you know, but we haven't got any new of those things. The other ways that we label ourselves or other people label us. But actually in the Bible, God labels us and his word is unchanging and truth. And actually, God has a label over our lives, and he uses the terminology banner. And the banner that God places over our lives is love. And this verse, his banner over me was love, is found in a book that we don't read very often called Song of Solomon. And over it, the banner over our lives is love. So yes, we might be popular, but we are primarily beloved. We might be educated, but primarily we're beloved. We might be attractive, a spouse, a parent, but our main identity is beloved, that we first and foremost are loved by God, that his banner over us is love. Therefore, we are his beloved. We are made to be loved. Thank you very much. You may put those back in there. Can we give a round of applause? I think, I think I may have lost some friends in that moment. You know, we are God's beloved. And we can stand up here and preach for hours. We can read God's word for hours. We can sing all the songs that we want for hours about who we are in Christ, chosen, valued, accepted, significant, secure, all of those things, all the descriptions that we're his bride, that we're his army, that we're sons and daughters, that we're adopted, that we're his family that we're the church, that we're his army. But if we don't believe that we are loved by God, those things will not make the deepest impact that they could in our lives. Because fundamentally, our identity is as loved of God. Now, some of you might be switching off at this point. There's hearts on the wall. She's using the word beloved. It all sounds a little bit flowery to me. But actually, God includes this word in his word and as part of our identity for a reason. In 1 John 3, he calls us beloved children. In Song of Solomon, we're simply his beloved. In Romans 1, Paul addresses the church, the disciples in Rome as our beloved. And throughout the Bible, 171 times the word beloved is used to describe us or Jesus. So clearly God wants us to understand what it is to be loved. God created humanity as an expression of his love. He wanted to be in friendship with us, in relationship with us. We are made to be loved. And his banner over us is love. And if you hear nothing else and remember nothing else, then remember those two statements. That we are his beloved and that his banner over us is love.
And now this idea of a banner, this idea of a label that God puts over us, we might be trying to think, what does she mean by banner? You know, like one of those happy 40th birthday banners you might have up or something like that. No, no, no. The idea of banner in this context is the idea of a military standard, a flag or an L, L, I can't say that word, emblem. There it is. Okay, that's the word. And so a banner signifies identity. A banner identifies you. If you were in a battle and there were lots of different tribes, you would hold up your tribal banner or your banner to the king so that you could be identified with that person. Your banner was something to signify your identity. It was also something that proclaimed something of who you were. So not just who you were in terms of who you belonged to, but who you were. They would often have mottos on them or statements on them. They would carry a message declaring who you are. Some of them would use symbolism and, and kind of pictures on it to speak of strength or love or various type of things. So when God says that his banner over us is love, it's like God is literally up in heaven waving huge banner or a label over us going, you are loved. You are my beloved and you belong to me. Your identity is not found in things that change. It's not found in circumstances or external things. It is found in me. We find our identity in being desired by God and in loving him. You know, sometimes we can believe, well, God would die for us because he had to, because he said he would. But could he actually love me? I mean, does he really know who I am? Does he know all the things that I get wrong, the things that I mess up in? If only people knew. You know, sometimes we hear things like this and we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. His banner over them is love. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and maybe his banner over that person is love. But, but over me, I'm not sure. That seems too generous. That seems too extravagant. That seems too wild. Sometimes we struggle to believe that such generous love is intended for us. Often we're our own worst enemies, aren't we? So I want to ask you, what would it look like for you to go deeper in God's love? What would it look like for you to go deeper in having your identity firmly fixed and found in God? What would it look like to make the most of the closeness that God offers us? The consistency of love that God offers us? You know, the world often identifies us in many different ways, but there are five sort of areas of identity. One of those is what you look like. So that could be to identify your race or your ethnicity, or it could be whether you're tall or short or slim or perhaps not so slim. Another way that we're identified is what you do. You know, but what happens when that changes? Another way is what you have, the latest whatever, car, gadget, house, cookbook. I don't know. People have those, right? That your possessions are what define you. But what happens when you haven't got those possessions? And what happens when you can't afford the latest whatever the next thing is? Another way that the world defines us is who you know. Oh, yeah. I'm with him <laughs> or I'm with her. That moment when you're in a crowd and you like realize, I know the person on the stage. <laughs> or I know someone really important. I got invited somewhere really important. That's very exciting. But you might not always get that invitation. <laughs> so what happens if that changes? Or finally, one of the ways that we can allow ourselves to be defined is by what others think, say, or expect of us. 
that we live with unrealistic expectations from other people or even that we put on ourselves that God never puts on us. Because he knows us and he knows our strengths and he knows our failures. And so he has no unrealistic expectations of us. And so tucked away in Song of Solomon, God declares truth over our lives about who we are in him. And so rather than building on what the world says we should identify with, rather than building on some of the labels that can change or shift depending on the mood we wake up in the morning, we're to build on a firm foundation of God's truth. To replace those old beliefs, that old way of thinking, to renew our mind in his truth. And God speaks out over the noise of distraction and he speaks out over the busyness or the loneliness of life. And he calls us beloved. He calls us beloved. He says, I am my beloved and he is mine. If you get a chance to read Song of Solomon, it's this beautiful picture of love. Yes, it is primarily a picture of love between a husband and a wife. But the allegory serves to speak to us about the picture of God's love for us, his church, the bride. In it, he calls us beloved. In it, he is captivated by us. In it, he wants to spend time with us. He is passionate towards us. He won't give up on us. He pursues us with his love. He calls us beloved. We've already quoted that verse from 1 John 4 this morning. We love because he first loved us. God initiated this kind of love. Because it's not based on who we are or what we do. It's based on who he is. And intimacy, getting to know God, comes from identity. And identity comes from intimacy. And we are called in this season to go deeper in both Deeper in our identity and knowing who we are in Christ and deeper in our intimacy, knowing him in the reality of our lives. It's an ongoing process of discovering more of who God is, intimacy. And then by discovering more of who God is, we discover more of who we are in him, identity. Of discovering more about our identity and the welcome that we get. And then wanting to go deeper with him, wanting to draw closer to him, wanting to know more of this love which speaks to us of intimacy. God is calling us to go deeper. Imagine living your life with the awareness that Jesus is constantly loving, valuing, and protecting you. Imagine not feeling insecure, less than, wondering if you're loved, accepted, significant. Imagine being so confident of God's acceptance of you that you don't try to fit in with others around you, but live as the uniquely loved child of God that you are. Imagine not striving to be the best because you can rest in the plans of God, knowing that what he has is best for you. Imagine not always having to have more because you realize there is fullness in God. Imagine it not being about performance or possessions or other people. And the great news is, the good news is of God's word is that you don't have to imagine it because it can be our reality. It can be our reality that as we apply God's word to our life, as we live those things out in the moment by moments of our daily days, that we get to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's not behavior modification that Jesus is after. It is complete transformation to be all that he's called us to be. You are beloved. So what does it mean to be beloved? It's a great word. I kind of get what she's saying. She's still got my attention, even though it might be a bit flowery. But what, what does it really mean to be beloved? What does that identity really look like? Well, to be beloved means that we are accepted. 
We're accepted because of what Jesus has done for us. We're forgiven. We're free. The separation of sin is gone because Jesus paid the price. And now we can come directly to God. Isn't that amazing? That we're accepted and that we're welcomed. I wonder at times when we get things wrong, do we turn away from God because we're not sure that we're his beloved? We're not sure that we're going to get a welcome. We're not sure that we're going to receive his forgiveness. That's a lie from the enemy. It is not what God says of you. We're secure because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Our sin is paid for and our eternity is secure. We're significant. He loved us so much that he initiated a rescue and redemption plan that would cost him the life of his son. That's how valuable and significant we are to God. And these truths never change. The circumstances of our lives may change. The circumstances of our bank balance may change. The circumstances of our health may change. Our feelings may change on a moment-by-moment basis, but these truths will never change. Beloveds, do not strive. We don't have to earn God's love. We already have it. We don't need to be popular and have the attention of everyone around us because we've always got the attention of God. Isn't that amazing? That the creator of the universe is so close to us that we can turn our attention and we've immediately got his. There's no engaged tone when we ring to speak to our father. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We don't find our identity in other people, in what they say or think or expect of us. Instead, we enjoy the blessings of the people that God has given us in our lives. Maybe has your identity somehow been wrapped up in who you know and what others say about you? It's today the day where you say, I'm going to lay that down and choose to believe God instead. Beloveds are not trying to be good. You know, I'm sure... For many of you as parents, you've said those kind of words. Just be good today, you know, just like, just be good. If they're being looked after by the grandparents, just be good for your grandparents. Just be good, you know. But God isn't into this moral behavior for the sake of it. He wants, like I said earlier, absolute heart transformation. And the more we receive of God's love, the more we live in our beloved-ness, I'm not even sure if that's a word, but I like it. The more we live in our belovedness and receive God's love, the more we will want to respond to that love with love ourselves. So it isn't, I've got to try to be good. I've got to try to be good. I've got to try to be good. It's more, God, I've received your love. I want to be good. God, I've received your love. I want to reflect that goodness to my neighbors. God, I've received your love. I want to forgive that person. God, I've received your love. I want to give to that need. God, I've received your love. I want to worship you. Rather than, I've got to try harder, I've got to try harder. There's no need for performance. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't serve with all our heart. But we don't serve to gain his love and approval. We serve from a place of love and approval. Maybe today, for you, that's the thing you need to respond to. Beloveds are content in God and trust him for all things. As beloved of God, we don't need to get more, gain more have more somehow to make us feel better. We have fullness in Christ. Do a word study on fullness in the New Testament. It's everywhere. The fullness of God, the fullness to fully receive joy, the fullness. God says, everything I have is yours. And he asks us to trust him. He says he will supply all our needs. He is the provider and he has purpose for our lives. 
Possessions will possess us if they're how we identify ourselves. You will never be able to stop trying to get more. If that's what your life is all about, there will never be enough. Some of the wealthiest people in the world would say the same. That without Christ, it just all means nothing. Have what you got or the lack of what you've got become something that's identifying you. And do you need to change that? Beloveds, live and work from grace and rest. John 15 is such a beautiful part of God's word. It talks about this picture of Jesus being the vine and we're the branches. As we stay connected, as we remain, as we abide in him, then we can live and be fruitful and work. It's a picture of staying connected with God. And I want to ask you today, how are you doing with that? How are you regularly connecting with God? If you are not regularly getting truth, wisdom, and revelation from God's word, then you're getting it from elsewhere and it isn't truth. You're getting it from the media. You're getting it from other people around you. You're getting it from other places. But if you are not regularly allowing God's word to shape your thinking and shape your belief, shape your belief around these things, then you're being shaped by other beliefs. And they're unsteady. It's a value system of identity that never satisfies. And then finally, beloveds embrace their identity in Christ as chosen, valued, accepted, secure, and significant. But it's a daily choice. I wonder if maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, I I have bought into a different value system. I've, I've put my identity too much in this rather than primarily in God. And it's not wrong to wear these other labels. It's not. If you're attractive, work it. If you're popular, enjoy it. If you're educated, well done. But if we don't primarily identify as beloved, those things will end up becoming empty. I read this quote this week. Gentlemen, I want you to listen to this particularly. To be loved is to be fiercely pursued with affection experiencing it comes down to a choice. Letting, allowing, turning, engaging, reaching up to take our father's hands. What we need to do again and again to receive God's love. Doing so both fills and fulfills our relationship with the father. His pursuit of us with love is met with our wanting to be caught. And I said for you guys to listen up because I know that sometimes when we talk about these kinds of things, sometimes it can be hard to get our mind around it. Not just because we're men, some of us, or because we've had a bad background, some of us, but all of us have had challenges to that identity of being loved. All of us have experienced hurt and wounds in our lives. But I wanted to read that quote out because it's actually from a men's devotional book. Because I was like, God, I don't want it just to come from a a girl's perspective today. And so I read that out because there's a guy called Michael Thompson. And he's written a devotional and a book called The Heart of a Warrior. And so I wanted his words to speak today as well. To say, look, whether we're male, female, in Christ, we are beloved. And 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 4 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, you are dearly loved by God, and we know that he has chosen you to be his very own. 